Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The reason you listen to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast is because we are relentless. We go through the summer. Right now is a dead time. A lot of podcasts are off. Not a lot of news. No, there's news. You just have to dig for it and you have to want it. And that's what me and my partner, Gus Kearns, do. Right, Gus? Listen, we're always digging deep. Something for the listeners out there. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the Screen the Screener College Basketball co- Podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We're always talking everything college hoops. You could have been anywhere else on the dial. You chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. And we appreciate that you turn tune in and give us part of your week to listen and get your college hoops fixed. And uh, we got a couple things to talk talk to the people about, right, Mike? Oh, we got a couple things. And my partner and I have been bouncing back on the solo podcast. We've been working on our private podcast for patrons. Please go to patreon.com. If you contribute to the pod, one, three, or six dollars, we have shirts that Gus just perfectly put together. We're going to be sending those out soon. Screen the screen of shirts. And we give an extra pod a week to all the listeners who contribute at the six dollar level. You guys know how it is with podcasts. I contribute to other ones. So does Gus. And he and I are going back and forth because it it is the summer, folks, and there is vacation out there. So, Gus, I just got back from the Jersey Shore. at a lovely time down there. Did the old Fantasy Island there, throw some things oh, around. Sure. The whole thing yeah. I did. Uh, my daughter loves the water did slides. You, did you go on wristband night? Did you go on wristband? Night? No, we did. We, we went earlier because we were not there for wristband night. We were actually not okay, there for okay. the Friday night. So we went earlier. Check. Good time. The kids actually you know, get along for once when they go on the rides. And Gus, I, I did the Father of the Year Award. My daughter loves the water slides. She said, is it our favorite thing in the world to do? So I went on the water slides two hours, twice in three days. I have to tell you, my knees and back are ripping, okay? But that's what you do for your daughter, right? That's what you do. And what got me up the, those stairs is I just kept thinking about how everyone is way overexcited about Kevin Knox's dunk in the summer league. That's what got me up there and powered me through. Listen, Knox is playing okay in the summer leagues. And, and so is Mitchell Robinson, for that matter. It seemed like the Knicks might have done something uh, right. At least at least the, first, the, the, the early returns are positive, but I mean, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Not the summer league, the some no D league, okay? But yes, I did. Yeah, nice dunk. People it, are tw- it, it is a little bit and one mixtape uh, in the first half. Which is sure. fine. I told you, the professor. Love the professor on YouTube. He's got like okay, 2 million yeah. followers. Again, I'll say it again. I texted Augustus. He made some guy hurt their shoulder on a dribbling <laughs> move. Just think that through, okay? Uh, yeah, because we got some things to talk about here. There are things going on in the college basketball universe, and we officially turned right. the page after the NBA draft. I think we got to start with Maryland, no? I think so. Just because that you know their name pops up, they are you know a major a major conference team. They are in the Big uh, Big Ten, so yeah, I think we have to pay attention to the the subpoena requests. And again, um, you know, I'm not a legal head by any means, but the subpoena request just basically means, hey, we want to find out more information concerning the subject. And then you have to turn over that information. So has anybody been accused of anything? No. Has it, have any laws been broken? No, not officially. But when, when, you know, when the term subpoena gets tossed around, then you know it's about to get serious because we have to, they're going to dig for some information and they're going to do everything they can legally to get that information. Yeah. And it all centers around Diamond Stone. Diamond Stone. And again, can, can I just jump for two? Sure. Really, is all this about Diamond Stone? That's what we're breaking the bank for and breaking rules for? Yeah, I, I know. You know, I have to tell you, partner, I'm sick of it. 
I, I'm sick of – it's almost like a witch hunt at this point. I mean we're now talking about yeah. an, an acquaintance of a guardian. I mean how many levels are we going to get to? Friend of a friend? I mean I think there's a decent chance that Diamond Stone didn't really know about this. I, I know that sounds crazy. People, you know, let me know how much of an idiot I am. Come me at Randall Rant, Gus at Currents 12 or the pod at SDS Podcast. I just it's it's so many you know like Kevin Bacon degrees of Kevin Bacon so it's that right. somebody took money and then was friends with the Guardian I I just can't take it and then Diamond Stone of course listen there's a little smoke there Diamond Stone Gus went to college he stayed there for one year right I mean so that's right. the type of guy you know he had twelve points five rebounds another guy should have come back but didn't it's fine okay but uh, well, I don't maybe, know maybe he knew this was following him so that's why he didn't come back drafted in the second round fortieth pick of the twenty sixteen NBA draft by right. the Pelicans so yeah Diamond Stone McDonald's All American went to Maryland and now they're subpoenaing the Terrapins. And I, I think the bigger picture here is not necessarily to go like Maryland uh, centric or focus in on Terrapins, but I think this is just it's going to be a continuing re- revolving door, right, Mike? It's it's it. I think this is just okay. Maryland's up next. Okay, who's going to be up next after Maryland? Like I just think that there's just going to be this revolving door. I don't know outlook towards this whole investigation, and I think that you don't know who's going to be next, and it just might be your squad that's next. So I think programs and coaches are, are everywhere are just crossing their fingers and hoping their name doesn't pop up. Am I being too shallow? Tell me, partner. I mean, you've known me my whole life. I don't really care. <laughs> like, I care more. Uh, I, I care more if you're cheating yeah. the game, if you use right. steroids, if you were Tom Brady and you deflated the football. Okay, Patriot fans. I just isolate our Patriot. I just totally isolate our Patriot fans on the screen. Yeah. I guess. This one, like, whatever. I mean, listen, if you have a picture of Diamond Stone going to a hotel getting a hundred thousand dollars okay fine but like his friends brothers you know i don't want to hear about it diamonds i i like to the, the game is beautiful we watch it on the floor to me i'm not interested in this as much as if like diamond stone was taking steroids or something like that i to me what, what happens on the court is sacred the other stuff i know it's illegal i get it they're gonna fix it condoleezza rice the whole thing they'll figure it out but this one doesn't like really you – know, does this affect Maryland in, in a big way? Does it really if, – if the Guardian's friend took money? I don't know. Here's what I think it does. I think you have to look at it through – you can look at it through – let's just go like yin and yang for right now. You can look at it as, oh, no, look what happened to Arizona. Like Arizona's had trouble retaining commitments and then also obtaining their usual top-shelf commitments. So you can have that. That that can be a undesired consequence of having your name – and your program in this report, or it, it could be USC and you could just bring in, you know, four top 50 guys again, even though you were a school that was named in this report as well and had a coach fired. To be honest, I think it's a roll of the dice. I think you could either get hurt for a couple of years like Arizona or, you know, no skin off your back like USC. And then you just keep bringing in talent after talent. And the other one, the other subpoena they got in Maryland was for Silvio D'Souza. And this one is even mm, more interesting right. because D'Souza, Kansas, 6'9", power forward. We'll get into Kansas a little bit later. He right. was getting recruited when he is at, the again, the IMG Academy. Okay. <laughs> Legendary IMG Academy. He was getting right. recruited by Maryland, Kentucky, and Florida. And in August of 2017... He selected Kansas, which is sponsored by Adidas. Here we we go again. And they were very surprised because all the experts thought he was going to Maryland, which was sponsored by Under Armour. So I think if I read this right, the subpoena on D'Souza 
is about how the guy who took the money from Under Armour had to then get out from under that deal. And so now right. the rumor is maybe that Adidas gave him money to cover Under Armour. But again, I, I mean, mean Sylvia the Souza. Like I, I care about what he does in the post and whether he travels. I don't really I I know it affects right. it, they'll clean it up. But yes, how crazy is that so now Gus we're not only taking money, we're taking money from other companies to make up for the money. It's, it's a Ponzi scheme, right? It's really what it is. It's a Ponzi scheme. Silvio D'Souza, Ponzi scheme. There's the name of the podcast. <laughs> and again, I, I don't mean to keep bringing this up. All of this for Silvio D'Souza. I know. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I'm with there, you. there are multiple layers to the D'Souza side of this. That make it like legitimately comical. And let like me, it's it's and, laughable. And let me tell you, Sylvia D'Souza would be lucky if he sees the floor with the Jayhawks roster this year. No <laughs> fooling. No yeah. Kidding. Man, that talk about transfer eligible. That guy should transfer immediately. Hey, why Maybe don't we uh, under armor school or something? Hey, why don't we get into it? So I did, I want to have a chance to respond to some of the topics you talked about in your yeah, pod, yeah. and I want you to have a chance to respond to some of mine. So why don't you set me up here? Give me a little bit of a little rundown for the uh, listeners about your your pod, your private one, the one you did, and then I'll shoot back some thoughts. Yeah. Originally, like I just thought that um, this, these could be topics that you know we would talk about, and the listeners would love to hear like the back and forth between. So I'll just I'll just shoot them out at you, and you just tell you know tell me your two cents on them because I already voiced my opinion on them, and like you know which way I was leaning. Uh, Mike, what do you think about? Um, do, do you have a say in the fight between uh, Kevin Ali and UConn? Uh, you know, Kevin Ali is is you know attempting to sue for the the money that he should be owed because he was fired, so on and so on. And UConn is claiming that, you know, they, they, there, there were some uh, Ill- illegalities that, that broke uh, uh, university rules that seemed really childish and, and kind of low key. So what, what side are you on, I guess, with, with Kevin Ali and UConn? I thought you summarized it perfectly. I loved your take on this. The funny part, to be very, you know, skeptical, is they backed Jim Calhoun. When all the stuff For went everything. on under Jim Calhoun's watch. Yeah. And listen, I don't know if Jim Calhoun had anything to do with them taking laptops or all that. I understand that. But I also understand the flip side, which is just because that stuff happened, at some point you got to wise up. Okay. Now, the part that I thought you, you brilliantly talked about is Kevin Ollie's winning conference titles. Are we talking about this? <laughs> Probably not. Probably so not. So if, if, yeah, if yeah, they yeah. – were, were we talking about with Calhoun when he was winning national titles? Right. Well, that's the point. And so, right. it, it, listen, if it's genuinely that they decided after they got rid of Calhoun, listen, we got to play this on the up and up because too much stuff went on, no problem. But I tend to think, man, with you, that if Kevin Ollie was destroying the conference, this wouldn't be an issue. So I, I think it looks bad for both parties. And I agree with you. Just pay Ollie the money. You had him in a contract. Pay him the money. He didn't do a good job. He certainly did not, uh, coaching-wise. But you did sign a contract. So pay him up and move on. You got Hurley coming in. You said right. the whole thing. You know, but so I, I think it's it's tough on both parts. It just it, it looks bad. Yeah, it's a bad optic. Yep. More for I think more for UConn than for Ali. Yeah. Like Ali could just you know Ali can take his money. He he he's made NBA pro money. Sit out a year, go do some you know the once a week gig at uh, uh, ESPN or or, yeah. or NBC mm-hmm. or yeah. CBS in the studio. Sound really astute because he's a front office guy from the NBA. And then boom, he could go you know restart a program somewhere else. Wouldn't if you were a mid major program, wouldn't you love to get a national hundred percent champ? Chip oh, winning coach in to run your program. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So I, I think Ali was, is going to come out of this looking just fine and like the dust off his shoulder, as Jay Z would say. And like, 
boom. And, but UConn's going to you know stick to their guns here. I don't think they should stick to their guns. I think they should just let it go. Kevin Ollie played for – he had 15 stints with different teams in the NBA, was a Connecticut assistant under Calhoun for two years, yep. and then he came back and he's been the head coach there now since 2012, won the NCAA title in 2014. I totally agree with your partner. Put him in a low mid-major. He'll recruit the Dickens out of that school. Oh, that's for man. sure. 100%. Yeah, I, I think that would work, be a perfect match. Uh, where do you stand with Coach K versus Wendell Carter's mom? This was a great question. I, I thought you covered this really well also. Here's what happened. And and you know right. the way it is in life. We talk about this stuff all the time in, in professional world and what we hear on TV. You never get the real story. Okay. And there's nope. always some truth and some lie in every version that you hear of everything. No doubt about it. Do I think that Coach K promised Wendell Carter a much larger role in the offense, 100% he did. Absolutely. No, no doubt. Yes. I went up to Foxwoods years ago. I told you about this. He gave a clinic up there, and he's all about the details. He sat there, and I had my pad out trying to get ready, you know, my 2-18 and 18 team trying to get this team, and here's Coach K. I think he's going to give me a quick hitter against a boxing one out of bounds, right? And you know what he gives me? He says, if Gus passes the ball to Mike and Mike makes a three, that's not Mike's shot. That's Gus's shot. And I sit there and go, really? You want me to go back to my 5'10 center with that? that that's what's going to – Majerus comes out and Hubie Brown, who is just at a level that no one else can compare to, hold it. Okay, you may not like this. This is what I do against an inverted triangle in two when I got every – I mean, I just can't stop writing and my hand is cramping. So right. did do you, are you but, telling – Majerus, Majerus must have been just fantastic. Oh, uh, he, he was great. Offense. You know where you say offense. Oh, sorry, sorry. He was he – was, he pulled coaches out of the stands to run the plays. It was incredible. So yeah, my point bad. is Krzyzewski's all about the mind game. He's all about getting you to buy in. He's not getting Wendell Carter by saying, you know, Wendell, why don't you come? You're going to sit and be second fiddle to potentially Marvin Bagley. And listen, you'll still get drafted seven. He didn't say that, Gus. So number one, absolutely did. Number two, hey, bro, you and I are the head basketball coach at Duke and Marvin Bagley wants to come play for us. Are we supposed to say no because we got Wendell Carter? I don't know about that one either. (laughs) So again – No, you know what you're going to do? You're going to unretire a number and give it to him. Right. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I think – and here's the thing. Like, do I think he went back to Wendell? I mean, I'm sure he called him in and said, Wendell, listen, this is a special opportunity. Right. And, you know, so, again, two times in a row now, man, I'm kind of on both sides, which you know I never am. <laughs> okay. I, I usually pick one side. So, but don't, don't tell me that he, he, he was like totally transparent to Wendell Carter. That's a lie. That's 100% uh, alive. Yeah. He's, He's like, oh, no, we're going to try to get you a bunch of paint touches on the other side, uh, you know, on the opposite post. Because no, he no, walked no, into no. Cameron and there's a video of him cutting the net down as probably the uh, MVP of the final four. I mean, come on. But then again, if, if you know, hello, Mr. Bagley? Yeah, hi. Uh, we'd like to come to Duke. No, you can't come because I promised Wendell Carter's mom. Yeah, that, you're not going to say that either. So I think it's exactly yeah. what happened, but I think the Carter should be very happy because it seems like, and he's dominating summer league, I think he's going to have a very sustainable success NBA career. Oh, without question. And I think it's a good match with marketing and the Bulls. And I bet uh, Coach Hoiberg figures out a couple cool things to do with him uh, that he wasn't allowed to do or wasn't in a position to do at Duke. So I'm kind of looking forward to that NBA matchup. I think that's going to be cool. And then where do you stand with um? Are we tired of the Kentucky 
And the endless like Final Four expectations, especially now with Reed Travis transferring, which is very out of the usual Absolutely. recipe. Mm-hmm. Where where are you uh, uh, with your Kentucky versus endless Final Four expectations? I'm fascinated. I am absolutely fascinated. Somebody on our YouTube channel actually wrote, uh, complimented our videos, by the way, on the YouTube channel, Screen the Screener uh, podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe. And actually said, like, there's not a lot of storylines next year. You know, guys, great video. Love it. It's especially great because there's really not a lot of storylines next year. Guys, there's a ton. And at the top – Yeah, I think there's, I think there's like, some really meaningful ones. A hundred percent. And I think that Kentucky – again, I, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to be a little skeptical, Gus, with the star recruits coming in because, you know okay. – <laughs> Yeah, I, so, I, know, so, I know. So, I, I mean – we, 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 loyal, loyal listeners know where this Okay, there. But I think the dynamic of Reed Travis as a grad transfer coming in, basically feeling like he's the alpha dog, I think that's a great storyline. And I have to tell you, judging the way that the Calipari team start the year, he will be the alpha dog. Because how many of these guys came in as freshmen and started pumping at 18? I mean, Cat was good from the beginning but wasn't dominant. Anthony Davis was okay but took a while to come around. So – if anything, well, I think yeah, the, the, the only guy was Monk, really. Yeah, yeah, and and Monk had the big forty-seven game, right? But like I, right. even the first couple games, you know, he was a little up and down. It's going to be clear that Travis is going to have to get the ball, and that may allow the freshman to develop at a better pace, is what I'm Great. saying. So I think this is a fascinating storyline. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I want to see how it plays out too, because this is not your, you know, this is not your Kentucky from the last ten years. There's a little different ingredient in the recipe. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that ingredient does for like the final results and how it's going to bake out. But yeah, great point how they can rely on Travis being the anchor early. And then, you know, hopefully the same thing happens that happened last year. And you have like one of the freshmen explode like uh, uh, Gildas Alexander did and really blossom into, you know, an NBA ready talent. And listen, Cal's got a pretty good track record, right? With Biggs, Anthony Davis, Cat. Yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein even, who wasn't offensively talented. But when he's got a decent big and these other athletic wing players that he gets so well, right, Mm. when those guys can actually develop and be in their normal role, they're deadly. So Reed Travis, Kentucky, I'm all in, man. Yeah, I think it it makes perfect sense too. I kind of want to see what he decides to do with him and how much freedom he gives him and how many minutes he gives him on the offensive end. I have a feeling early on it's going to be a lot of both. Yep, absolutely. Another storyline, and I talked about it on the on the uh, patron only in the huddle pod. The Kansas Jayhawks roster is absolutely loaded. It's off it's the char- It's off the charts loaded. And Self has always struggled, right? I mean, he's he's done, had six man benches, seven man benches. He had uh, Mitch Lightfoot take over for LeGerald Vick, who now is back on the team and is pretty much one of the leaders with Udoka Azubuki, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's got some great players coming in. He ha- And we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. We're going to talk about the, the transfers that had to sit out a year, and then you have some transfers that don't have to sit out a year. The Lawson brothers coming over from Memphis, and Self is already talking up Diedrich Lawson like he is a, a – a chance to be the Big 12 player of the year, i.e. Frank Mason, i.e. Devontae Graham. He's got those sure. guys. Charlie Moore, who's a super quick point guard from Cal. He's like 14 points a game on a bad Cal team. He comes over, but now they have Dotson coming in. So, I mean, we Devin Dotson is a five-star talent guard, super quick. So he is deep. Lightfoot is still there. Cunliffe will play a decent role. I yep. mean, and and just unbelievable across the board. So many players. He's got McCorm- uh, McCormick, the the big, thick, 
four-star power forward center guy. I mean, just thoughts on Kansas, man. What do you think? How do you think it's going to go? I definitely have Kansas inside the top five. I'm working on getting uh, getting a, like a little, little write-up, little rankings for uh, the listeners later on this week, maybe uh, early next week. So, yeah, I have them as like, you know, a Final Four team, of course. I think you can argue that they're the best team in the country. I don't think there's anything wrong with that argument at all. Here's the question that I think might help define the level of Kansas's success this year. What's going to happen in this backcourt? Because much like uh, North Carolina has been spoiled by the presence of Marcus Page and Joel Berry the past five years. And, and like you knew that you were going to get solid play and have a chance to win every game because one of those guys was going to make a big shot. Kansas had the exact same blessing with both uh, Mason and Graham back there for the last five years. Like they, one of those guys was handling the ball and making all the decisions. So who is going to be that guy now? Is it going to be Charlie Moore like you mentioned? Will they let uh? Will they play he and Dotson together, who's another ball handler, or will it just be like you know the swingman Grimes, who's like a five star borderline lottery pick for the upcoming NBA draft? Will, will will he get some of those touches and make some of those decisions, or will they go a little point forward? And will Lawson like have more ball handling responsibilities than uh, Self has given any of his forwards in years past? So I'm intrigued to see who gets that decision making. Uh, a position on the team when there's so much talent to make those decisions with. So that's what I'm really interested to see. I mean, there's no doubt. You went down the roster and, and listed. Like, they have, what, five, six guys? I didn't mention Grimes. Double I, I didn't mention yeah. Grimes is a five-star recruit. Right. He, I, Grimes, Grimes is awesome. He's yep. going to be nasty. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you went down the roster and listed all these guys, and they have, you know, five, six guys that average double figures uh, in, in years past, whether it be at Kansas or somewhere else, uh, at a previous stop, at Memphis, Cal, uh, you know Arizona State, wherever that previous stop might have been. But who is going to make that decision? Who is Bill Self just going to trust and say, okay, go make a Frank Mason type decision, go make a Devonte Graham type of decision, go do that. I trust you to do that. I think that's going to take a little time to build that trust. So I'm intrigued to watch them early on to see where he goes to test those decision-making processes and, and, and opportunities out. All of the guards who have come in, the point guards, who have come in as freshmen to major programs have taken some time to adjust. Even the yep. the great point guards in Kentucky, all those guys, Derek Rose, John Wall, they took a while in the beginning. I think Charlie Moore is your starter. I think Charlie Moore being it as a he's a true point guard. He's not somebody mm-hmm. definitely has to score. Super quick, mm-hmm. knows his role. I think Moore will start. Now listen, Devin Dotson could take over and then could go bananas. Fine, no problem. But that just speaks to the, the talent of this team. You hit it right on the head. The point guard is what matters. You need a point guard in college. If you don't have one, it can really come back to bite you. Um, so he's had two great ones, and he's certainly going to have his pick this year. So I, I think where he might end up going, and he might end up playing small ball, and maybe you play uh, Lawson as one of your bigs, and you just play Moore and Dotson together and play Grimes out on the wing and throw Vic or, or a KJ Lawson or a Cunliffe out there and you just play small and then throw an Azubuki. You know what I can see them doing? I was thinking about this, you know, when we were talking about, you know, who we're going to talk about uh, for this particular podcast. Do you think he might throw Azubuki in and do like the same thing that they did with, um, uh, with, uh, with Haas for Purdue and just like dared people to double team sure, him because there's absolutely. really nobody that big totally in could. college basketball. 100%. And then if they do double then kick it out to, you know, one of the wings we just mentioned that they have on the roster and then, you know, 
pick your poison. So do you think he might just force the ball in and just get him a whole bunch of easy touches? Because what did he shoot? Over 70% from the field last year? Yep, absolutely. I, I Yeah, so I can totally see it. So I, I, he has options. He's got options. Yeah, I think he... The only difference is Haas did a great job of staying out of foul trouble. As he has got to get better mm-hmm. with that. But if he does, listen, the schematic is there. And, folks, I thought Kansas was going down last year in the Big 12. I sure as heck am not putting them down this year. Not with this roster. Not not after what they went through. I thought they had their chance, and they blew it. All right. Uh, two things we'll go to here. I'm going to talk about some of the transfers, Gus, that had to sit out a year and mm. now are eligible. Okay? okay. And then you're going to talk about some transfers who actually came over and did not have to sit out. And we'll talk about their impact and where they're going to be. The, the two guys we'll talk about, the rich get richer. And I know that you like Gonzaga's number one. I can tell you right now, I'm putting Nevada as my number one. You can take it to the bank to start the year. Uh, maybe I'm champing the small guys. But Jazz Johnson come o- comes over from Portland. He had 15.8 points mm. per game, 42% three-point range. And Nizri Zuzwa. Coming over, uh, nicely played. Thank you from Bryant Gesundheit. Twenty points per game, four point two rebounds, and I'm getting these guys off a list from Brad Cavallaro. Brad is the co-host of the uh, College Basketball Central podcast with Kevin Sweeney. We know those guys real well, and does a great job for fan sided. So he made a list here. I'm just pulling off the list some guys that I really like: Jazz Johnson and Nizri Zuzwa going to Nevada. Gus, the rich get richer. I think it's going to be a similar dilemma that we just talked about with Kansas. These guys came in thinking that maybe the Martin twins might be gone and then they would get some of those minutes. Now with the Martin twins back, I think their minutes are going to be curtailed. Also, their stats are probably going to be curtailed. I think that Jazz is he's going to find time on the floor because he's a shooter. And if you remember, when we talked to Chris Murray uh, during the offseason, he said that Nisre was one of the most exciting players on the practice floor last year for for Nevada. So he's going to find time as your change of pace guard. Maybe he can come in and disrupt a little bit defensively, and then maybe he can like change the pace of the game and run it up and down and get a couple of quick scores. So I can see Nisri uh, Zuzu getting some minutes as your change of pace guard uh, off of Lindsey Drew, who kind of plays at his own pace. That's why they really like him. He's a little bit longer. And I can see Johnson coming in and kind of being uh, – look. they can look at him to be like a floor stretcher as a shooter – but I do think they came in thinking maybe the Martin Twins would be out, so their minutes would be up. But I think those minutes are not going to be what they originally thought. So I think Coach Muss is going to have to do some nice ego stroking, just saying, guys, we're in this for the greater good. Let's all contribute to team success. Another one that caught my eye was Torian Thompson, the power forward who was at Syracuse. Pretty big impact as a freshman, six foot ten. He was nine point two points per game, three point eight rebounds. Really surprising when he left Syracuse because he was playing there with Tyus Battle. They had the big man and the and the guard going back and forth, but he wanted to be closer to home. Transferred, sat out a year. He's going to be at Seton Hall, which of course. I mean, we can talk about Willard and Seton Hall as much as you want, but they're going to lose most of their their starters there. Angel Delgado's gone, all those guys, but he's got Miles Powell back, of course, and Thompson and Powell. Hopefully, they'll be the two centerpieces that they'll build around this year. If they can get some secure ball handling, I think I think Seton Hall won't have as big a dip in performance as you think they might after losing that group of seniors of Delgado, Desi, and Carrington. I think Thompson absolutely falls right into the Angel Delgado role where he's going to be get some paint touches. Uh, he can shoot it a little bit further than uh, Delgado could. But if you need somebody to clean up the mess on the boards, Thompson's exactly the guy to do that. So I think Willard kind of hit the lottery here after having his stalwart and all uh, Big East you know, performer in Delgado graduate and is now you know, balling out in Summer League. 
he's lucky to find Thompson and have Thompson fill that role for the Pirates. I am not a fan of this next guy at all. I, I, I think mm. you like him more than me. Chase Jeter is now eligible to play at Arizona, and certainly they need somebody in the worst way. They had a mass exodus right. this year, losing all those guys. Uh, but he could not get a decent role at Duke. I always thought he was soft. But he's going to yeah. Arizona. He's going to be the major building block there. Look for major minutes. What are your thoughts on Chase Jeter going from Duke to Arizona? I think it's interesting. Here's why I think it's interesting. Did he get any better during his red shirt year? Did his red shirt year impact his game the same way it impacted Kyle Wilcher's year? Uh, Kelly, Kelly Olenek's year? Uh, did it impact him the way it impacted the Martin brothers? Did it impact uh, his – will it impact his career the way that uh, it impacted Jonathan Williams for Gonzaga? If it did, great move. If it didn't, you know, sideways, parallel move. I think it probably did because if you're going to be the guy that has to guard DeAndre Ayton on the scout team every day in practice, don't you think you would get something out of that? Don't you think you would develop something? Don't you think you would develop some toughness? Don't you think you'd develop some uh, defensive guile? Don't you think that you would find a way to get your shot up around a, a longer, stronger, uh, more athletic Aiton? I, I think you would. So you hope that the Arizona Player Development Squad uh, took a page from uh, the, the Nevada and Gonzaga uh, uh, red shirt uh, recipe, and hopefully Jeter can come out and have an impact like any of the transfers that would go to any of those previously named schools. One that I think is very under the radar, but it's important, is Mariel Shayok transferred mm. from Virginia. And boy, they could have used him this year. He was nine points per game at Virginia, transfers to Iowa State. They got Nick Babb coming back, Iowa State. Lindell Wing mm -hmm. Wigginton, who is going to be one of my favorite players under the radar. Yeah. Remember that game he had at West Virginia? Very talented uh -huh. guard. Shaq's going to have a perfect role, third scorer, defensive stopper, that sort of thing. I like Shaq on Iowa State, no? Let, let, let's just look at this very black and white, right? Do you think he just got annoyed with the amount of shots and touches that he was going to get no matter <laughs> what screen back screen you Maryland, Baltimore point, County, listeners. Maryland, Baltimore and County. If you're going to go to the extreme opposite. Yeah. Let's run up and down the court with Wigington and Iowa state. Uh, that sounds great. That's exactly right. The amount of touches and the amount of shots that he's going to get are going to double just because of pace of play at Iowa state. I think you're going to see him play with a little bit more joy, a little bit more freedom. And yeah, I think he's not going to uh, have to have that, Offensive, uh, offensive responsibility because you mentioned that Bab and, and Wigginton will take care of that. And if he's the if he, if he's your third wheel, I'm down with that. That that makes that makes Iowa State like a legit top half team in the Big Ten in the Big Twelve. I'll let you take the floor on this one. Brandon Clark from San Jose State uh, goes to Gonzaga. Okay. We're talking about a massive front court for the Zags of Clark, Tilly, and our guy Rory Hashimura. So talk about Brandon Clark. That's a loaded roster, man. But if anybody can meld it together, it's Mark Few. The question is, I think it's three-pronged with, with Clark, right? Number one, Clark's super gifted, really talented. He obviously wanted to come to a place where – he was going to find team success, right? He said, numbers and stats be damned. I don't care. I want to go someplace, win, and get better. What better place can you go to uh, than Spokane? I don't think there's much better place. Here's the three questions. One, what's Gonzaga going to roll with this year as their lineup? Are they going to roll with their dual point guard, maybe play their third guard 
uh, like Norvell or Kitzbert out on the wing and then just go two bigs with Clark, Tilly, and Rui, uh, two of those three? Or will they play a more traditional lineup with their uh, point, uh, maybe one point guard, Kitzbert and Norvell as your shooting guard, and then play Tilly, Rui, and Clark all together? And then is Clark cool flip-flopping back and forth like the saloon door, uh, maybe going from starting lineup to six-man, starting lineup six-man? Is he okay with that? I'm thinking because of the choice that he made to come to sacrifice uh, stats that he's going to be cool with that. And I think Mark Few is going to actually test out what lineup is going to give them the most success. So I think you might see some changes early on in the season to see what might be the most successful lineup that Gonzaga can put out there, whether it be Clark in the starting lineup or maybe Clark coming off the bench and like just destroying second teams. I can see that happening too. So I think Clark is going to have a big impact one way or another. Maybe it's not going to be, I'm going to come in and average 18 points and eight boards type impact, but maybe it's very similar to the impact that Jonathan Williams had, where he was a glue guy, defensive stopper. Everybody knew they could count on him, and they knew what they were getting night in and night out. And the last two I'll talk about, we talked about Charlie Moore, the Lawson Mm. brothers. Diedrich Lawson, KJ Lawson. And listen, KJ Lawson would start on a lot of teams. Not going to start on this team, but he's a very talented guy. But Lawson is the biggest transfer of this group, sat out last year. Uh, He would have been selected probably in the second round of the NBA draft, I think. But basically could be not only the preseason Big 12 player of the year, he could be a preseason All-American. He's going to be up front there with Doka Azubuki, 19.2 points per game, 10 rebounds out at Memphis, sat out a year. The Lawson brothers are coming to the fog. Who's going to have a better year? Lawson or Luke May? Can't you see their numbers mm, being really similar and their team success being kind of similar? Both teams will be in the conversation for their league title. Both teams will be in the conversation for uh, you know top 10 ranking preseason. Both teams will be in the conversation come March for a Final Four selection, depending on their bracket. And they're both going to be led by you know traditional-ish small forwards that can do a little bit of everything, dribble the ball, pass the ball, definitely shoot the ball, rebound the ball. I'm intrigued to see on which end of the equation is it going to be Lawson is greater than Luke May or is it going to be Lawson less than Luke May? So I'm I'm going to equate those two and I bet those two end up on some sort of All-American team uh, at season's end. So I can see that. And I think the other part is how much is Bill Self going to trust us? Not one of his guys. Like he puts trust in his guys. You you think of like Perry Ellis. You think we mentioned we talked about Mason and, and Graham. Like, he trusts his guys and gives them a lot of responsibility on the floor. Is he going to do that with a transfer who's not one of his guys? That's, I think, the hurdle for Coach Self and the relationship between he and both Lawson brothers, for that matter. And talk about some of these transfers you got this year, guys who did not have to sit out, who can play right away. Oh, yeah. How about the first one? I think it's going to be worth paying attention to if he gets the transfer hardship waiver. And I think that's going to be Mustafa Heron, who came from... Auburn and has now enrolled in St. John's. And then if you put Shamari Ponds and Mustafa Heron in the same backcourt, that seems like it should work in the Big East, right, Mike? Chris Mullen got off to a terrible start last year, but he's turned things around. The guy I think can recruit. I never doubted that he could recruit. 
Uh, and and that was sort of the question right away. He'll get the talent in. They had some right. nice wins. I would watch out for for St. John's. I think they can be a major major issue. They were four yep. and fourteen last year in the conference, but they started out so what like zero and ten something like that, and then they got better yeah. as the year went yeah. on. So if he's eligible, watch out. He can fill it up. And remember that same St. John's team with with Ponds was the team that beat Duke, beat yeah, Villanova, Villanova yeah. and got got like a little positive momentum going last year. So not only do they know how to win some of those games, maybe they can kind of string that together and have a little bit more sustainability to the success that they experienced in small pockets last year. Uh, okay, how about how about this one? This one's kind of interesting. How about if we talk about Deshaun Murray, another Auburn uh, transfer who's a grad transfer who's going to be eligible right away and get to play at Western Kentucky for Coach Stansberry. Now, Western Kentucky, of course, was on the college basketball radar last year for the whole Mitchell Robinson episode and his Hamiltonian path to the Knicks roster this past yeah, year and getting yeah. selected second in the second round for the NBA draft. But Murray is one of kind of one of those uh, undersized four guys that you know what you're getting. You're getting effort. He's not going to wow you athletically. He's not long. He's 6'3", 6'4", very Jason Tate from uh, Ohio State, like that type of effort. So do you think that he could actually blow up on the mid-major level for his final year of eligibility in college, Deshaun Murray, uh, now at Western Kentucky? Definitely can. Uh, was playing roughly 24 minutes for Auburn last year, 50, 46% from the field, 84% of the free throw line, good free throw shooter, had over 10 points, seven rebounds, two assists a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Impact player. Athletic guy, 6'3", 225, can definitely make an impact there. What is going on in Western Kentucky? Rick Stansberry. Yeah, he, he's getting players, man. He's yeah, getting players. Absolutely. That, that, I mean, we could talk about the whole Bassey thing later, but it seems yeah, like yeah. that that seems it's going around around the wrong path too of like, does he have his diploma? Does he not have his diploma? I hope it all works out. I, I want it to work out for the player, and I also want it to work out for the school. So hopefully they find a, a resolution there. And my last one, we'll, go, we'll jump right back into the Big East. And we'll go back to the defending national champions. How about Joe Cremo for Villanova and Albany? Seems like he's uh, he's one of those guys that everybody coveted as a point guard on the transfer market. Mike, what do you feel about Cremo coming in and helping maybe Phil Booth and, and Villanova fill in the uh, you know player of the year Brunson absence that's that now there on their roster? Yeah, it's a big deal. Cremo's a great guy for them to get because he's solid. He's going to be able to hold the fourth there. This is going to be a transition year for Villanova. I don't think Villanova is necessarily going to be back in the Final Four. They, right. They've, they, you know, two titles in three years. Any school would die for that. Look, Kentucky's had one. Kansas has had one with Self and Calipari. Two titles in three years. I think they take a step back, but I think Cremo's very, very solid. Keeps the the uh, the, the fork going there before they get their big recruits the year after. They'll reload. I mean, listen, I think they'll be good. They're certainly going to be good. Yeah. They're going to make the tournament. They'll probably be a five seed, but I don't think they're going to be a one or a two seed again. And that's okay, Villanova fans. But Cremo's a, a, a pro. He's a, he's a college basketball player, and he'll do a nice job for him. You know what he can do? He can do what they really like. He can shoot the ball. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he, he's going to get opportunities to put those threes up and stretch the floor. So I think he's actually a pretty decent fit as far as uh, giving them another ball handler, another floor stretcher as a shooter. So I really like that match. I think that's it. I, it's, that's all I got right now. Again, we are relentless, folks. That's what we do. We get we are relentless through the off season. We power through. We are going to come at you every week. Even when we're on vacation, we'll put stuff out. Check out the website, Randall Rand. Follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast, and consider becoming a patron, patreon.com, because we have some big things coming up. Our team preview series, we have beat reporters coming from all these schools. You're going to love it. I'm kind of looking forward to getting all that rolling, but I'm also enjoying the little lull that we're 
kind of appreciating now during the like official offseason now that the NBA draft has taken place. Uh, it's fun talking some hoops with everybody. So we hope that we you enjoy getting your college basketball fix from the Screen to Screener College Basketball Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Very gracious to give us part of your week. And uh, hopefully we help with a commute or maybe a lunchtime or, or maybe, you know, maybe just a walk down the block or around the neighborhood. So uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Cheers, cilantro, grazie, lazia, and uh, arigato to everybody. Screen the screener. Relentless.